From the Linney Podcast Studios in Nottinghamshire, I'm Damon Parkin, and this is Why. Join me on adventures in creativity and insight. We'll encounter filmmakers, artists, designers, academics and others as we explore what's new and what's next. By her mid-thirties, Claire Bridges had been an MD and creative director with the world's biggest advertising and media company, WPP. Today, as an educator and author, she shares her two decades of experience at the Creative Callface as the founder of Now Go Create, a consultancy that champions creative democracy. Claire believes that every one of us is creative. We just need to identify, unlock and deploy our potential. So, at the dawn of the new decade, make it your resolution to forge a fulfilling future with Claire's guide to unleashing your creative creds. Claire, you're an advocate of creative democracy. What does that mean? Well, I think what can happen in our lives, and and in my experience too, is that as we go through school, as we go through the education system, and maybe as we even go into work, we can get labelled or pigeonholed into creative haves or have-nots. And you start to become, or you're creative because you like art or you like theatre or you like writing, but in actual fact, maths and science are incredibly creative professions. So when I talk about creative democracy, what I mean is uh, believing that we are all creative equals um, and creativity also thrives on diversity. But I think about it as diversity of thought. We don't want comfortable clones of ourselves. We want people that challenge us and ask difficult questions because we we need that diversity of thought, particularly you know, with some of the big issues in the world today. We live in a complex world. What I find is people somehow have started to believe themselves that they're not very creative, when in actual fact, I believe we're all creative. We just manifest that in different ways. So it's about getting back in touch with the confidence to be creative, as well as actually practicing and doing it as well. So not many of us create celebrated art or write best-selling books or record critically acclaimed albums or make award-winning films, but you're on this mission to to unleash the potential for creativity in everyone because we are all creative. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's interesting when you talk about those things. Often they're forms of personal expression that we don't necessarily expect anyone else to see or hear. Um, but in business, we're talking about applied creativity, so the ability to solve a problem or a challenge, um, and that may require us to think differently about something. So, let's explore some of the values, characteristics and attitudes, the elements of the formula for creative success. There'll be a few exercises along the way, so pay attention. First, curiosity. It's an intrinsic part of being human. From childhood, we're compelled to explore our surroundings, and it's that restless search for something new and shiny, to break new ground and actually break stuff to see what happens, that links curiosity to creativity. 
what you notice amongst people who manifest creativity in whatever way, shape or form that might be, is that they are curious about the world around them and they're curious about human beings, curious about how things work and curious about finding different ways to do things. And I think without curiosity, it's very hard to fuel your imagination. And of course, your imagination is so key to doing things in a way that haven't been done before. Your imagination, your curiosity is linked to imagination and our imagination is a superpower. We're able to imagine, you know, walking on the moon. We can imagine things that are that don't exist yet. And that is amazing. That is our own kind of superpower as human beings. And so you have to be curious to say, why does it work like this and how does it work? So, you know, Tesla took things back down to basics and said, why does a battery have to be this big, weigh this much, cost this much? Could it be different? And I think it's that challenging the basic assumptions of things, which is what moves us on as a human race and also as individuals in our day-to-day lives. If we're not curious, if we don't ask those why questions, then we'll never get to the answers. Ah, the why. It's what this podcast is all about. Now it's time for you to demonstrate your capacity for curiosity with an exercise encouraging you to reflect on your past as you look ahead to the new decade. So one of the things I think is really important when you're going into a new year is to reflect on the year that you've had and on your successes, you know, personal and in business, and to look back and say creatively, you know, what do I feel really proud of? What have I done that's really stood out for me? And what would I like to do more of next year? You know, is what you're doing in your work life or if you've got a creative project at home, does it help you to get better at something? Um, do you feel a sense of purpose about what you're doing just beyond the fact that you are doing your job day to day? You know, what, what purpose do you have there? You know, where, how, is my, how are my motivation levels in relation to being creative or anything else? Joining the dots between your own sort of curiosity and imagination and then what you do at work. You're a whole person, you're not separate people. So, you know, if there's something you love doing outside of work, then think about how you might be able to bring that into your into your day-to-day at work. John Cleese famously said, we don't know where we get our ideas from, but we know we don't get them from our laptops. And we've become this look-down generation. You know, we all know about our addiction to our phones and swiping right, um, you know, and constantly touching and interacting with our phones. So one really big thing I would say is to give yourself the freedom to switch your phone off for an hour a day. I think it would be so beneficial um, on so many levels. I give people the opportunity, often in a creative session, I'll say, right, we're going to go out on what I call a creative safari. You're going to put your phone like you would if you were on an actual safari. You don't want to scare the animals. Switch your phone off. Take an hour to go for a walk and maybe you can go and um, observe your customer or your consumer in the wild you know for example so if you're talking about bread go and uh, use it as an excuse to sit and have a coffee outside the bakery and watch how people are behaving Um, or if you feel you know stressed and stretched and obviously mental health is a really big issue as well um, in the way that we work and and all these constant demands on our time um, put 
you know, use your phone in the car, use the, something like the Calm app or the Headspace app just to give yourself some time and space because we don't give ourselves permission to do that. And actually what people find is that your, your brain is an amazing pattern recognition machine. So if you put a challenge into your head and say, right, okay, so, you know, how do we sell more more bread um, to a particular target audience? Then actually, once we've got that challenge, we've got all the stats and the data and all the kind of logic and evidence-based stuff, then our brains will go off and make connections for us using our unconscious minds. And I think creativity is definitely being um, challenged and the ability to be creative is definitely being challenged by our addiction to our phones. So that's that's probably my number one thing in terms of a really practical thing that you can do. Can I just pick up on, um, you touched on mental well-being mm. around creativity. Do you think that stifling creativity, I mean, I guess it can have a negative impact on innovation, business growth, MPD perhaps, but what about the human capital aspect as well? Can it disenfranchise and demotivate a workforce who maybe don't feel their value, their ideas are valued? So. Is it a leap of faith for an employer to encourage creativity? It's an interesting question. I think, you know, we all have preferences in relation to creativity, just like we do with anything else. So if you are someone, say, working in an accounts team and your day is spent on an Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheet, that doesn't mean that person isn't creative or can't be creative, mm-hmm. perhaps, but their preference is potentially to uh, work in a more logical, linear way. So it's really good not to pigeonhole people mm-hmm. into that's what you do, therefore. If that goes back to that haves and have nots things which is you know you um if you because that's what you do then actually you've got less room or scope now you might have less room or scope potentially in your day-to-day job to be creative but that doesn't mean that perspective wouldn't be really helpful in a creative session Uh, the, the danger if you like about inviting people to be creative is that there is sometimes a commercial or business need to be creative so you obviously can't have a bunch of mavericks like running around without any rules or inviting people to break the rules all the time so I think it then becomes about you know what sort of creativity do we want and how are we going to put a process in place to have that so that we're not all running around sort of just you know being you know completely being rule breakers and you know saying oh what's going to get me fired today but creativity is often about risk so you're asking the more you're pushing the boundaries of what's new the more it's unknown the more it might require a leap of faith Mm -hmm. and so there also does need to be a culture which is actually enabling people to um, go out of the tram lines a bit and to try something new and that's not the case in a lot of businesses so you invite people to be creative and start coming up with new ideas and then the company doesn't know what to do with that new newness Mm -hmm. or with the novelty Um, and that's the sort of that is the challenge you need both the sort of temperature the climate the 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 culture for creativity as well as having the people and enabling them to have the skills and that that having a curious mind gets you so far but as you touch on there's a it's having a leap of faith and then having persistence and perseverance the um the courage to trans to to kind of let an idea move from concept to reality um Grit, I think. Mm. So I'm thinking of the likes of J.K. Rowling and, and James Dyson, perhaps examples of determination where they had to come, overcome some early setbacks. Mm. So it's about persevering, persisting and, mm. and having the courage to, to keep going with it as mm. far as you can. Mm. And I think that's also about saying, you know, if you fail at something um, or if you lose at something, don't lose the lesson. So what do you learn from that experience? And I think that's what companies who move, you know, do innovate and, and do 
um, you know, this whole idea of the lean startup and prototyping mm. and doing things quickly is saying that we know that there are going to be mistakes, but those mistakes are how we learn. Those mistakes are how we do something differently. Some of the really um, interesting inventions come out of um, what you might call accident and serendipity or surprise. We all know about how penicillin was um, discovered. And that's also about being curious, isn't it? Because you know, there's mm-hmm. something's gone wrong there, but then you notice and you do something about it. Um, the humble post-it note, which is used in many, many brainstorming and creative sessions, um, actually came about by the inventor um, Art Fry, who worked for 3M. And he, um, the, the glue that he created that, that was the first post-it was actually a failed attempt at creating a bond for something else. Mm-hmm. So I think there's that sort of the, the if something fails is maybe reframing that failure and thinking you know what did I what did I learn and how or what might I do and there yeah and then there's also as you say um, you know this idea of grit or tenacity Mm -hmm. or persistence. Self-belief and tenacity fueled inventor James Dyson. It took him five years and 5,127 prototypes to get his pioneering vacuum cleaner to market and another five for his bagless contraption to be hailed a success. He sucked up the setbacks, showed some grit. Today, his personal fortune's estimated at three billion pounds, so he certainly cleaned up. And his story proves that creativity does exist in a vacuum. Now, if your own creativity is gathering dust, here's another tip from Claire to help get those creative juices flowing. Steve Jobs famously said, you know, creativity is just joining the dots. And I think for me, it is about your, if you're asking yourself or other people to be creative, it is about constantly topping up that kind of freshness store cupboard for yourself and for Mm -hmm. other people and having more dots to join, having a broad frame of reference on the world. But it's also about stimulus. You can't expect to just get people to walk into a room and say, right, okay, today we're going to talk about, um, I don't know, how we um, sell more washing powder. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, who's got an idea? Whatever it is you want people to think or to get, brief them in advance and then invite them to go out and say, in the wild, actually go in and observe and empathise and see what people are doing. So we've touched on grit and determination. And a great example of that, I think, must be somebody like J.K. Rowling, um, who was rejected by publishers. But also that brings in the element of self-belief. She believed that, this, that Harry Potter was a terrific character, that it was a great story. And self-belief is something. How, how, how do you install that? Or how do you find that self-belief? that you are a creative person where does Mm. that come in Mm. well it's a really interesting question and it's not a simple one because you know our beliefs about ourselves are huge soup of things that Mm. are saying come from our childhood our parents our teachers our colleagues all of those things we have all got um an inner critic in our heads right you know um ariana huffington talks about um the unhelpful roommate in your head who kind of wants to sabotage things and actually and if you one of the ways i think to start really believing in yourself is to start thinking about things from an experimental point of view and just say and knowing that things not expecting it all to go perfectly and then saying okay well what what, what i'm going to learn from that rather than you know and that that takes resilience and again i think resilience is a muscle but there are things that you can you can do um and um the other thing is to notice when you're what when your inner critic is in your head and what they're saying to you. So, for example, um, I am quite clumsy. I'm always banging into things. Right? So I'll knock myself on the edge of a table and I'll say to myself, oh, you silly cow. 
when I, you know, you silly cow, oh God, or you bruise yourself again. Now, I wouldn't say that to my son. I wouldn't say that to my friend. I'd say, are you okay? That looked like it hurt. But my inner critic or my inner voice is just saying, oh, stupid woman. So once you start to identify what you're saying to yourself that's negative as well, you can start to say, okay, I'm going to try and find my inner coach as opposed to my inner critic. And if it comes to pitching or presenting your idea, you know, you need to be able to stand there with confidence and say, um, they do want to hear what I've got to say, not that little voice in the back of head saying, um, they don't want to hear what I've got to say. You know, most of the time in business, it's not hostile. You know, we're not being interviewed, um, you know, by um, Andrew Marr. We're not being grilled. Actually, people genuinely want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you fail. So I think it's always helpful as well is just to... Um, to, to really tackle those demons that you have. Um, and as I say, the, I think the more that you do that, the more resilient that you that you can become. And I think resilience is, again, it's a big topic, talked about a lot in business at the moment, and again, in relation to mental health. I think Claire's message here is, don't fear feedback. Canvas opinion, often. Don't just wait for your annual appraisal. Disney animation studio Pixar, the maker of Toy Story, Inside Out and Finding Dory, is one of the world's most creative companies. On every single day of every single shoot, it assembles every animator, voice performer, everyone involved in the creative process for its Brains Trust session to debate, dissect and critique performances and progress. Pixar, obviously one of the most creative companies in the world, they get together at the end of the day and they just talk about what has gone really well on whatever animation they're making, whether it's the voiceover, the animation, the storyline, any of it. Um, and they give each other, you know, honest feedback. And they do it so often and with candour that it's not a blow to each other because they know what they're doing it in the spirit of. They're doing it in the spirit of making the best movie that they can. I think there's something we can learn from that, which is not to be afraid of feedback and not to be afraid of giving feedback, but in the spirit of making something better. I am going to get all Andrew Moore and you. Um, you got personal <laughs> earlier. Around, you were a creative leader at a fairly young age from a major international organisation. In terms of your self-belief, did you have a crisis of confidence saying to yourself, I'm not a creative person, what am I doing here? Hell yeah, yeah. Before I got into that WPP agency, so in that job I was in a, in a managing director role for five years before I then moved into a creative role. And so, yeah, I, I, and prior to that, I'd been at another agency which was young and hot and sexy at the time and was full of creative people in inverted commas. Everybody had 100% self-belief in their creativity. And interestingly, when I was brought into that business, I was not viewed as very creative. I was viewed as much more of a suit because mm -hmm. I'd come from another WPP business in a, in a, in a, um, a director role, come into that business to give it some structure. But then when I left that agency and went into a more corporate environment again, suddenly I was the whizzy-bangy creative person. So that just shows you the kind of the labels and the power of labels. So... But then I had to go from being considered to being a creative person myself or someone who came up with creative ideas to then leading the agency. And yeah, I had a complete crisis of confidence. I felt imposter syndrome. I just thought, well, it's one thing to kind of sit there and or go away or go on my thought walks and do whatever I do to be creative. Uh, it's a whole other thing to help the agency do that. So I then set off on about three months of reading everything I could about creativity and, and, and learning that there are processes and techniques and frameworks and tools that we can all use 
And I think now it's 10 years since since that happened. Um, and then I left Agency Life and then I set up Now Go Create Now to help other people be more creative. I think the world has actually moved on a bit actually since then into, from this kind of idea of, you know, in an ad agency, the creative director or ECD is the kind of rock star. And, you know, everything goes through them and they are the creative genius and the rest of us somehow have to sort of bask in his or her glory. It's much more about a constellation of people and collaboration. Um, and people like the World Economic Forum talk about creativity as a skill. They are talking about it as along with problem solving, critical thinking and, and the ability to be creative as the top three um, skills that are going to be needed for the next 20 years in business. And so that skill means it's something we can train in, we can get better at and we can hone and practice. But it is there for all of us. And, and it's then about finding, you know, like how, how we harness that really. As you say, the road to creative success is littered with crappy ideas. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say embrace them, but there needs to be a spirit of openness where you do, you have the confidence and that self-belief that you've talked about to maybe share ideas that are outlandish, a bit wacky, a bit out there um, on that journey towards finding that nugget of, mm. of innovation, inspiration. So, yeah, to touch on openness for us, which is something mm. I know you think is important mm. as part of that kind of, mm. um, as part of finding your creative character. Yeah. So openness is obviously one of the big five personality traits. When we talk about openness in relation to creativity, we're really talking about openness to other points of view, openness to working differently, openness to thinking differently, openness to doing things differently. And whilst we might like to say, um, yeah, or I, I think I'm open, you know, I'm open uh, to ideas. What we can start to do is whilst we think we're being open is that actually technology is enabling us to get sort of narrower and narrower into kind of echo chamber of people who think like us, people who have opinions like us. You know, we we don't necessarily want to have our ideas challenged, do we? We might like to think that we're an open person, but actually that means that you have the ability to be able to see two points of view, to see two different things and hold opposing views is not an easy thing to do so I think that is something that has to be practiced and I think in business a way to do that is to when you've generated some options and ideas that you really like is to deliberately find the opposing view and just to have someone who is a deliberate dissenter so that you don't all go down this sort of group think of like this is the way that it has to be that ability to be able to see things from two completely opposite points of view um, has been found to be the only trait that is what Nobel Prize winners have in common. And then they can bring that into their work to then try and find a brand new way into a situation, whether that's social, social political, behavioural economics, whatever it is, literature. Um, it's called Genusian thinking, the ability to see both ways. And I think going into a new year, that's quite an interesting thing to think about as well. Claire Bridges. As we head into the new decade, make it your 2020 mission to get into a state to create. Claire's book, In Your Creative Element, is packed full of case studies and tips. Search for it on Amazon and visit nowgocreate.co.uk for more about Claire, her team and their work. Visit linney.com to discover creativity in action. Like, share and follow our podcast. Join us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Linny1851 and search for Linny on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you.